where's my other... Did the cat steal it? Cat! Why you do this thing? Tribute. It's the cat's property now. I look down and all of a sudden one of my D10s is gone. Welcome back to our podcast, Tales from the Table. I'm Cloud, the dungeon master and creator of this adventure, and around our virtual table we have... Athanasius. Flower. And Caden. All right. Let's see. Last time, after Athanasius banished a group of hostile shades, the party continued to the desert towards the Twilight City, Zuljara. Along the way, each of them was drawn to something mysterious and troubling lying in the sand. A piece of paper from Caden's uncle's tea shop, covered in a strange code. A handwritten spell model that seems to be part of a large and complex piece of magic. And a pair of battered soldiers' ID tags, both bearing the name Virtinia. As they approached the city, they caught sight of a terrifying creature, large, black, and serpentine, swooping through the air like a dragon, but without wings. Before they could go any further, however, they were waylaid by a pack of ravenish flesh strippers. The party beat back the beasts and went to lick their wounds in a sheltered hollow at the foot of Mount Zamrad. Our hero's journey into the gloaming has only just started, and their prospects already look grim. How much grimmer will things get? Find out right now. And just right you at the probably top. probably should have mentioned that we dubbed the uh, black serpentine thing a floaty boy. That's, That's very right. Our floaty boys. The, they are floaty boys. And it is plural because you have caught sight of more than one. Um, so, yes, they are officially named floaty boys. So, yes. B O I Z. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's yes. how they will be in the monster manual when they are inevitably added. Yep. When we uh, someday have a Patreon page and I put up all my homebrewed content on there, uh, they will officially be called <laughs> not uh, Zuljara Sentinels, as they have them down in my notes, but Floaty Boys. Uh, let's see here. Uh, just a couple of notes at the top. First of all, uh, to the audience, and I already talked to the players about this, I uh effed up a little bit in episode 19 i made a bad call uh as a dm uh when the players were asking about whether uh if they spent a point of integrity to engage with the shades and mirsa uh whether that would sort of allow them to engage with other shades going forwards they wouldn't have to keep spending integrity to do that um i said no but i really hadn't thought about it a lot uh over the next a uh, few days thought about it more and then realized that that was a stupid thing to say and that the answer should have been yes. So actually, uh, what I'm just going to say to you guys right now, uh, players, is that uh, now that you've actually sort of given up your first uh, integrity points, your minds are now sort of open enough to the magic of the gloaming that you will be able to uh start to hear and interact with 
uh, some of the people here who've been affected by it in various ways. Not all of them are shades, and not all of them will be as hostile as the ones that you encountered before. That's not saying that you won't have to maybe spend more integrity at different points to do different things with them, but um, actually hearing them speak is not going to be a problem right now. So hopefully that makes up for it. Sorry about that. Made a mistake. Uh, also, uh, to any astute listeners out there, sorry for confusing a code with a cipher. Uh, I, <laughs> as I was doing a little research um, uh, vis-a-vis what was written on that paper that Caden uh, um, found uh, lying along the side of the road, uh, it's actually in a cipher and not a code. It turns out those are two very different things. So knew somebody was going to be picky about that. Who was picky? Name names. No, well, just me for now, but, you know, in the hypothetical blissful future where we have, like, listeners who, like, tweet at us and stuff like that, I'm sure, like, encryption Twitter would get at me for uh, being oh so ignorant as to confuse a code in a cipher. It's actually written in a cipher. I'm sure that's a thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, uh, sorry about that, encryption folks. We'll do better from now on. I don't know what you're talking about. We have thousands of listeners at this moment. That's true, because this moment is all moments, and time is a flat circle. Uh, this is actually also the future in which we have, like, 10k downloads per episode and get tweeted Everyone at by angry Earth people all the time. By law required to listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah, it's that's right. It's become wildly unpopular. <laughs> oh, man, I forgot that there was the dystopian future where you had to listen to this podcast. Sorry about that, folks. But hey, at least we're trying to keep things honest vis-a-vis codes and ciphers. So you guys are currently taking a short rest. I forget whether you guys rolled hit dice and yada yada, whatever you wanted to do last time. We did not because we, we had like just gotten uh, to the point that we could take a short rest i actually did i rolled all my hit dice and i had to use a couple lay on hands points and i'm still not quite back up to full but... oh shit i used one hit dice and i'm only one hp short of full so you got that one bite on you it was like nah and like nah i think while i'm using magic i want to um pop off a divine sense and see if i can pick up anything interesting from that about Ooh. the magic of the area Okay, uh, Flower, what's the range in your Divine Sense? 60 feet. 60 feet, okay. Um, let's see. Well, obviously, you guys are in the middle of a very, very magical area, so... Are we really? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, this place isn't magical at all. So, there's a difference, though, uh, Flower, when you open your senses here. It's different than it was when you were in Casadros. Um, in Casadros, the magic there felt very unstructured. I know that I described it that way. It was chaotic. It was sort of flowing and uh, ebbing around everywhere, really without any sort of structure. What's around you now feels like an extremely complex and uh, very ordered spell. Uh, the magic is still, it has that, um, I hesitate to say taint. Um, let's just maybe say it has the flavor. 
Oh God, I forgot. Okay, um, I'll cut that. Uh, it has <laughs> Wait, still what? the f- the flavor, the <laughs> no, sort of we have subtle to... <laughs> shading. <laughs> we have to clip that out of context and just have a clip of Cloud just saying taint. <laughs> Jesus. And we can post it, paste it together into a terrible sentence for them to say. First, first I told you all you were full <laughs> of the sauce, and now I just said it has the taint, and it's just all going to go downhill from here. I can feel it. You're like, I hesitate to say taint, and I said, please hesitate. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, great. Um, So, Flower, this magic still has the the flavor, the sort of shading of the magic that was unleashed during the calamity but it is definitely much more structured more intentional um it feels like a giant spell rather than just sort of this wild humming buzzing storm of chaotic magic which was what you were encountering in Kazadros. I'm not sure you can sense a whole lot more other than that within 60 feet, other than what you already know is there. You know, obviously you can feel Caden's sorcery and Athanasius's powers and, um, oh, I don't know, there's probably some other stuff too. Uh, the key Artean gave you, again, that's not a surprise. I'm probably missing a few things, but none of them I don't think would be surprises to you. Uh, the three items you found in the sand, um, I don't think that they have any magic in them apart from the fact that they were sort of recreated here within this, as part of this giant spell. So they're sort of made of magic, but they're not like magic items. They don't have powers or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, and I don't think you can sense any, like, obviously, like, the floaty boys are too far away uh, from you to get caught up or anything like that, sadly. Well, yeah, I'll tell the other two. Magic here is a lot more ordered. Like, it's one big thing with, like, a purpose. It's not just random willy-nilly magic. So you mean, hopefully it won't blow up in our faces anymore? I mean, maybe its purpose is to blow up in our faces, and then uh, it will. But That's true. This makes me feel better. I'm glad it does. <laughs> Speaking about feeling better, uh, Caden, you were the only one who seemed to get really emotional when you found your thing in the sand. Do you mind if I ask what it was? It's, um, it's the handwriting of my uncle. Uh, he went, he went missing a while back and that's why I, uh, joined the company because I was straying from our hometown to, to look for him and ran out of money doing so. So, you know, with it being his handwriting, just wondering where he is, you know. Oh, yeah, I get that. I'm sorry. Thanks. Pat him on the shoulder. Maybe there's a chance we'll find him. Hope so. Hope so. That's that's my goal. I nod at him. I'm just kind of droopy. Hey, this is a different thing, but are there perchance any void quartz on this mountain? We forgot to ask about that when we were around other people. Yeah. I mean, you're about to go into a big city full of quote-unquote people? (laughs) Uh, 
they, there, they might be uh, people who are living a bit of a different existence now, but you could ask them too. Um, huh, what you can kind of... sacrifice all of your integrity, and then one of them will tell you where the Void Quartz is. <laughs> where to find the Void Quartz. Uh... There, I mean, there potentially could be. Uh, why don't you roll me some sort of, I guess, maybe survival? Like, D&D doesn't have a lot of, like, um, specialized skills for, like, cooking or, like, finding minerals or stuff like that. I, I, I honestly have no idea as a dungeon master how to handle looking for a specific type of rock. Oh, well, first of all, Caden, I don't think you know what Void Quartz looks like. So why don't you roll me a knowledge nature check to see how much you know about it? Why am I, why am I looking for Void Quartz? Caden. Dude. This is your side quest. Remember, oh, yeah. Artie needed Void Quartz to I make forgot. you your, your <laughs> sneaky boots? Okay, that's a wonderful seven. Okay, yeah. You're like, mmm... I mean, I know what quartz is like. It's kind of like a crystal. Void quartz is maybe like a black crystal, but you're not imagine, like a hundred percent sure. I imagine a black version of quartz. Yeah, that's kind of what is like filling your your imagination. But you've never seen any, and you you've definitely never seen any before. And it, you might find something you think is void quartz, but you, you don't know how you would tell if it was or not. No idea. Okay, probably a best idea then to maybe find somebody who knows a little bit more and, and ask them if they can point you in the right direction. Makes sense. Okay, what do you guys do next? Let's see. So there was the gate to the city that was kind of guarded by a floaty boy. Yeah, well, let's let's just say this. While you guys were resting, I'm assuming one of you was kind of acting as a sort of look, you know, like a lookout, right? Nope, we were all just completely ignoring what was going on around the city. Ah, uh, bummer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, whichever of you happened to be on lookout, I know it wasn't Athanasius because I think he specified he was uh, investigating that spell model that he found. But uh, maybe you, Flower or Caden, whichever of you was kind of keeping an eye out on things. So you definitely see the floaty boy uh, is not just hovering over the nearest gate. Um, this creature is sort of, you know, making wide, you know, soaring arcs over the, you know, sort of outside of the city. This city has several tiers, by the way. Um, and this is just the, the most, like the outermost wall of it. Uh, this floaty boy seems to be, yeah, sort of making the rounds around this outer wall. Uh, every once in a while it dives down to take a look at something, then it, it pops you know, back up and, and keeps, uh, for lack of a better word, patrolling uh, around the outside of the city. Uh, and you can see another one that looks pretty much the same circling within the city. And then there is in the very center of the city, uh, that really big, bright uh, tower that's like reaching really, really high up uh, above all the other buildings, uh, seems to be glowing with a light um, and sort of silhouetted against that light you see every once in a while, uh, you think there's another floaty, uh, float. God damn it, you guys. You think there's another floaty boy there, uh, around the tower. It doesn't seem to be patrolling. It seems to be more coiled around the tower protectively. And from what you can tell, this one is bigger and it looks like it has two, for lack of a better word, heads. 
uh, whereas the other ones only have one head apiece. Yeah, also around the sort of this outer wall of the city, there are dunes of sand uh, and, you know, the desert sort of stretching off into the distance. But you also notice uh, what, you know, maybe didn't catch your eye right at first is that some of the uh, sand dunes uh, look a little bit funky, look like they might not actually be dunes of sand. Uh, might be something else instead. Some of them glitter a little bit. It's kind of weird. Void quartz. <laughs> Pile of void quartz. Just waiting there for you. 100%. So if we timed it right, could we get through the opal gate like while the floaty boy is like on the other side of the city? You could definitely try. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the funky sand dunes. All right, guys, which one are we going for? Into the city or checking out the strange, possibly not sand? How close is, are the sand dunes to the wall? Um, not all of them are super close. They're kind of spread out. You get the idea. You can sort of see uh, maybe sh- uh, shadowy and indistinct, just like Mirsa was. Uh, maybe the remains of some buildings. Uh, and things like that that were once outside the city walls. Um, No city is completely contained within its walls. You get the idea that there was probably, you know, quite a bit of life out, like right outside the city wall as well. And this is kind of what's left of it. So some of it is right up close to the wall and some of it is, is further away. Sort of stretching off into the distance uh, around the curve of this city wall, which is... Uh, you know, uh, vague, vaguely, uh, Zuljara's kind of oval-shaped, with one side of it up against the foot of Mount Zamrad, and then the uh, the other side out against the desert. And you guys were approaching from the south, uh, kind of right, uh, and oh, and Mount Zamrad is along the uh, eastern edge. The Gate of Opals is actually pretty close to where the mountain comes down and sort of comes right up against the city wall. Well, we don't know what's on those dunes. I mean, do you guys want to check it out or just go what we came here for? I just don't want this to turn into another hostile hostile encounter. Yeah, that would suck. What if there's like, you know, it's big weird creatures, creatures hiding under the sand or something? Athens? I mean... I give the sand dunes a suspicious look. If there's creatures hiding under the sands, we did just rest. I think we should be able to handle it fairly well. Hey, Flower, uh, I know that snakes have, like, a pretty good sense of smell. Um, I think as you look towards those sand dunes, maybe you're uh, sort of flicking your tongue in and out. Uh, Just, yeah, for force of habit, that's part of how you interact with the world, and uh, you smell something horrible. It's this this horrid, like sweaty, almost che- cheesy stank uh, on the air, and uh, it's it's unfamiliar to you. Uh, but uh, Athanasius, it, you can smell it too. Uh, it smells like the world's biggest pile of unwashed socks. <laughs> Smells like victory. <laughs> it smells like my dorm at the university. Ugh. Ugh, it's so bad. 
Yeah, I was maybe slightly obsessed when I was at the university. Obsessed with stench? No, obsessed with studying, to the point that I didn't have time to clean my socks all the time. Ah, oh, for shame. Well, now I really don't want to go check them out. <laughs> Says Flower, the one who's never worn socks, because he doesn't have feet. I could wear a sock. <laughs> Flower just knows instinctively that not washing your socks is is shameful, despite uh, maybe not really having like a, a firm grasp on on what socks are for. Yeah. <laughs> Does Caden smell wash them. Oh yeah, yeah. Now that the wind is in the right direction, it's very obvious. The sand dunes look sort of lumpy. Pretty bad, Athens. It's pretty bad. I'd prefer to head to the gate then, but I guess we can check out the stink socks if you want to. Caden looks at Athens. Why am I <laughs> making this choice? Because it smells like your socks. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily fair, but okay. We're making the choice together. Uh, I'd rather avoid it. Anybody cared about my opinion? I care about your opinion. You are a valued member of the team. Like, I mean, like I said before, we just finished a rest. Our wounds have closed up some. I think we can take whatever it is if it's hostile. And I think exploring this place is worthwhile. So I think we should go for it. You're you're a little bit outvoted. Do you think maybe on the way back we can check out the stink socks? Then why did you even ask me? <laughs> I asked both of you. Athen is suddenly grumpy. All right, as you bicker, as you bicker over socks, uh, you 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 can see the floaty boys making their rounds over the city, uh, you know, swooping here and there, uh, the one around the outer wall, the one around the inner city, and every once in a while, uh, a sign of movement from the one curled around the uh, glowing tower. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go attack the city of the Floaty Boys. Maybe not attack them. We can sneak in unnoticed. Uh, that's probably a good idea. Okay. Do you make sure that you uh, you make sure you wait until it looks like uh, both the ones that seem to be moving around are otherwise occupied? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, you can walk up to the gate of opals. Uh, the stock. Uh, can't. Can't talk this morning. The stench of unwashed socks uh, is heavy in your nostrils, but the gate is wide open. Uh, it's not closed. It's definitely not locked or anything like that. And uh, soft lights illuminate the road as it leads you into the district of Opals, uh, which is the uh, southernmost district of the outer ring of the city. As you take a few steps inside, you're sort of overwhelmed with sights and smells and sounds all around you are shops uh with brightly lit windows uh the streets are uh just beautifully clean uh some in some places they're even like paved with jewels in fact you see all sorts of crazy stuff just all over the place you know heaps of fruit and you know like rubies and stuff like that like stuff you you kind of expected this because you'd been told that it was like that but like this is like being in a really weird dream and all around you 
uh, there are all these shops and restaurants with all this fancy stuff and moving uh, up and down the street and in and out of the doors and hanging around and filling the air with the soft susurration of their voices are people but they're strange people. These are not shades like you saw in Mirsa. These are, for lack of a better term, they look like paper dolls almost. Um, they're sort of made out of, uh, in places the paper is folded, but in other places it seems to have been cut out into a vaguely personish shape. Uh, sometimes with, you know, the shape of a, you know, like a robe or other clothing. Uh, some of them are more decorated than others. Uh, they all have uh, some painted markings on them, though, including uh, sort of simple uh, painted faces. Um, and they are in all the sizes and shapes of the people who once lived in this city, which is to say that there are humans and elves and centaurs and catfolk and tieflings and uh, people of mixed race and all sorts of basically every type of person you would have uh, found in the city before the calamity. Uh, they, a couple of them look at you uh, as you sort of begin to walk down the street, uh, but no one seems to be hostile towards you. Just a bunch of paper people? Mm-hmm. Yep, and paper birds uh, fly by overhead, and you see uh, next to you there are some flowers and uh, a little paper dragonfly, its wings painted blue and red, uh, suddenly takes off with a loud buzzing sound and zips through the air right by you. If I wave at the people, do they react? Uh, yeah, a couple of them stop what they're doing and look at you, which is maybe a little creepy at first because they sort of just have painted faces, so they don't really blink and they don't really have facial expressions, but uh, they they don't seem unhappy. Uh, one or two of them wave back at you a little bit. Guys, I'm kind of freaked out. Same. Hey, at least we're not fighting them. It's true, you don't see any weapons here. No one seems armed, uh, and there there doesn't seem to be any hostile intent. If you like one good burning breath, then I'll be gone anyway. So, uh, what are we doing? I believe it was voted, he says, looking pointedly at Flower and Caden, that we were just gonna do what we came here for. Which probably means going to the center tower? Yeah, that... that... Seems to be the case. Talk to these people. We Do we know try. if these people are capable of speech? That's a good question. They're definitely talking to one another. You can sort of hear their uh, voices almost as soft whispers, sort of at the edge of your hearing. Um. Do we want to talk to them? I'll try. Uh, excuse me. Hi. I'll. Try to be quiet and a little bit whispery as well. Okay. Uh, sure. There is... for uh, It's a little hard to tell, maybe. You know, everybody just being made out of paper, but this looks like a paper woman. Um, she is painted wearing, uh, like, a purple uh, robe. Um, and she is standing outside of... Uh, what you can tell is clearly like a fancy hairdresser's shop, and she bows to you a little bit. I bow back kind of clumsily. Okay, 
You hear a little voice, uh, just a tiny little whisper push in at the corner of your mind. Sula there, uh, what's your name? I'm Flower, and yours? Uh, Salima, she replies. We've heard that phrase that she said before, right? Uh, yes, you have. Uh, Casimir used it in, uh, when he was greeting Antonia. Yeah. Dude, you speak, uh, Solinari Elvish? Yes, I do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a generic, uh, phrase of greeting. Uh, it's, it's just a polite, uh, thing that people say when they're greeting one another. I think I, I walk up to Flower and I kind of address both Flower and the Shade. So this um, actually isn't a shade. Um, this... Oh, okay, and the and the paper doll. <laughs> so, yeah, sort of, but yeah, these definitely aren't the same as the shades that you saw in Mirsa. Those people uh, almost had bodies like smoke. You could see through them. Uh, they looked definitely much more lifelike, but just smoky and indistinct, and then they had these horrible blank sort of holes where their eyes should have been. They definitely didn't look like people folded out of paper. But I think I kind of turn to both of them and I'm like, in Solinari to the doll person, uh, if you're more comfortable in your native tongue, I can translate. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, I do speak common quite well, though. Uh, I used to get many, many customers from all across the land. I just kind of um, nod and uh, say the typical greeting. And she returns it. And uh, turn to Flower. Um, like, yeah, I, I just want to make sure she was comfortable with Common. And she is, so uh, go ahead. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. So, Salima, we're new to this place, and um, we want to know what's been happening recently. Have you... Has this all been normal, or has things seemed out of place? I'm kind of, like, looking around at the paper everything. Yeah, it's a little hard to read facial expression, because, again, these people don't really have any, but she says, Oh, Things have been very good. Business has been excellent. Uh, I'm not quite sure what I could do in your case, but we do have excellent wigs. W what does that mean? Oh, oh, I'd actually love to try on a wig. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, if you want to, you can go in there. <laughs> All right. Yep. I follow her into her shop. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. There's a bunch of other, um, like paper... Uh, hairdressing women in there who are uh, actually it's it's kind of weird and a little bit disconcerting because again these people don't really have hair that you can change and yet there some of them are you know sitting in the chairs um, being uh, it's almost like the the women who work there are sort of going through a pantomime of doing their hair but no one seems unhappy uh, and there, uh, definitely are, um, like a whole bunch of different wigs and stuff like that on the wall. And, um, uh, Salima takes, takes like them down one by one. real wigs or paper wigs? Uh, no, these ones are actually just completely normal real ones. Uh, they are, the only things that seem to be made of paper are the living beings. 
So like the birds and the bugs and the people, but everything else is not made of paper. It is exactly like you might have expected, except, you know, maybe to a, a really weird degree. Like you don't expect to walk into a city and just see like a heap of rubies laying on the ground, that sort of thing. But yeah, uh, Flower, she uh, kind of puts one wig after another on your head. Uh, what kind of color and style are you going for? Something very curly. Okay. Um, what would match, like, yellow scales? Ooh, that's a really good question. Like a nice dark brown? Yeah, maybe. Although she kind of reaches for one that's kind of like a bright blue color uh, and, and sees how that would look, too. Maybe the bright color would set off the bright color in a certain way, seeing how oh. that would look. All right. And this looks good because I'm going to be honest, I feel a little bit ridiculous. Oh, well, we get all sorts here. <laughs> I okay. always think hair is beautiful. It'll be even so more beautiful ridiculous. if you can find a, a, a nice robe to set it off with. Yes, just the right color. Man, things have been going well here. Um, do you remember the calamity? Calamity... Nothing bad has happened here in, oh, oh, quite some time. My goodness, I, well, a woman never discusses her age, of course, but uh, I'm not a young woman myself, and uh, our city's been prospering for years and years. Why is that? Oh, because of all the wonderful people that live here, and all the wise people, and all the wise decisions that they make in the tower. Ah, the tower. What goes on in the tower? Oh, well, the tower is the seat of all our government and uh, of the university, of course, and uh, it's where people go to become educated. And uh, of course, it's also the archive of all our learning. We, we here in Soljara have one of the greatest libraries in all of Soloon, of course. Did Athen hear that? I did, yeah. I don't know. Oh, oh so are, are Athanasius and Caden, did you just like follow into this hairdresser's shop and you're just sort of standing there awkwardly? Definitely, if you guys came in, uh, the ladies definitely started to try uh, to do Caden's uh, hair. Um, and they're used to nope. Dragonborn uh, nope. also. So Athanasius, they start sort of like polishing your horns and... Uh, you know, uh, getting the dust and grit out from, you know, the base of your, uh, your crest and everything and, and working uh, oil into the skin there so that it, it uh, glows with nice, vibrant colors. I start sort of like bobbing back and forth happily. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're giving you like a, like a man cure <laughs> except for your head. <laughs> mm. I I'm in the waiting area, looking out the window at the people in the street. Caden has like dodged around these hairdressers. <laughs> he's the he's 100%. the person in the salon who's always just like awkwardly reading a magazine in the front. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. Awesome. I I turn to Flower's hairdresser. So, you said people go to the tower to learn. Do your oh, people yes. not go to the university? Well, the university is very far away, so there's a branch of it here, 
and you know that this was true, Athanasius. Um, apart from the great university in Almeria, because the empire was so large, uh, there were different universities that were sort of branches of it in major cities across the empire. Uh, not everyone went all the way to uh, the university in Almeria. So basically, when the empire was formed, cities like uh, that already existed... Uh, probably Zuljara already existed back then and, you know, and cities in the Midlands and out in Hakari and places like that would have already had their own places of learning and they were just sort of subsumed into the system. Obviously, people with the most, you know, wealth and status would have sent their children all the way to Almeria, but these local, for lack of a better term, sort of branches of the university uh, were still used, uh, and people did still learn there. Gotcha. And the the serpent around the tower—that's just uh, that's just chill. Oh, the the sentinel. Oh, yes, they keep us safe. You mean they have a name that's not Floaty Boy? Floaty Boy. I'm not that's sure. That's what we call they it in a... our language. <laughs> She pauses for a moment and says, I am not sure that boy or girl applies to them. They, they are no threat to us. They, they are here to keep the city safe, to protect it from outsiders. Although you hear a little bit of worry creep into her voice. You seem possibly like outsiders. You are very polite I like you. I do not think you are a threat, but um, you should be careful around the sentinels. They might not understand, you see. Uh, are they dangerous? To outsiders, yes. Yeah, I mean, like, are they powerful? Oh, yes. Yes, very powerful indeed. They have to be to keep the city safe. What? kind of abilities do they have? Hmm. They fly through the air. You, She's sort of hemming and hawing. You get the idea she might not particularly, like, know a lot about it. She probably hasn't seen them, you know, just go to town on somebody close up. Okay. Outsiders are good for business sometimes, but a few came to steal, to make trouble, uh, that is that is why the Sentinels were created, yes. Uh, so that everything could be continue to prosper, continue to be good for business. I can see you guys are good for business, though. Uh, you wouldn't make any trouble. You're not here to steal anything. No, certainly not. Certainly not our intention. No, no. Um... <laughs> no, you say, fully intending to do all of those things. <laughs> Uh, how how much for this week then? Oh no, that's that's fine. We we oh, don't. Come on, you're you do business. I can't. It's bad business to give things like this away for free willy nilly. Ah, uh, but now everything is good for business. Huh? See, uh, if you look around, everything is prosperous. Everything is good for business now. Okay, I'm gonna leave five gold anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You get the idea that with heaps of rubies just popping up, up like lying on the ground, uh, these people maybe have just sort of stopped using money. 
because I mean, yeah that's fair yeah uh-huh yeah also um they're made of paper so you're getting the impression they probably don't eat or drink or uh, have any need for like material possessions anymore in fact you're not really quite sure why they are continuing to go through the motions of hairdressing but they are uh, one of the <laughs> flower, one of the other women has come by as you're talking to Salima and has, uh, like dabbed copious amounts of, uh, like eyeliner and rouge, uh, on your, on your face. You look gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> oh yeah. You're all dolled up and you're wearing this beautiful curly sort of bright blue wig. Uh, you would look really, really fashionable, uh, if this was like a year ago and you were maybe like, uh, like a highborn, like tiefling or elvish lady in the city. <laughs> Very good for sneaking around, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yep. You'll fit right in. Did you get a robe? No, it doesn't look like, uh, they sell that here. Although, uh, as you guys, uh, exit this hair, this like hair salon, um, why don't you all roll me perception checks? Oh yeah, we do that here. Yeah, I don't. I don't like to, to make you guys make them too often because I feel like some things are really obvious. But I want to see how much you guys are paying attention. Twelve. Eighteen. Crit fail. Really? <laughs> okay, makes perfect sense. All right, yeah, Flower is the one who notices. I'm very distracted by how pretty Flower is. <laughs> awesome. I I love that. Perfect explanation. Yeah, Flower. As you look up and down this street at first when you guys stepped into the city you were just sort of overwhelmed by the like dreamlike fairy tale quality of it with you know sort of you know gleaming jewels and delicious food everywhere and and stuff like that but now that you look at it a little more closely you just walked out of a hair salon and then you see next door is a shop selling clothing But as you look at it, it looks like it's only selling women's clothing. And then down from that is someone, uh, like, a bunch of uh, people selling these beautiful uh, embroidered women's shoes. And then uh, down from that, there's a whole bunch of stalls selling perfume. And then another hairdresser. And then, uh, like, a little pavilion where... Uh, a paper woman is uh, assiduously painting uh, the non-existent fingernails of uh, some other paper women. You're starting to notice a trend. Uh, by the way, not all the people you see walking around are women. Okay. Uh, plenty of them look, again, a little bit hard to tell since everybody's made of paper, but you, you know, based on styles of dress and things like that, uh, you can see plenty of men walking up and down the street. Uh, no paper titties? <laughs> there are no paper titties. <laughs> I no. mean, who knows? We haven't gotten the clothes off of one of them yet. True, although you're getting the idea that that might be a little hard. Um, These aren't precisely like paper dolls where you put clothes on and off of them they seem more like uh simple cutouts some of them have a little bit of folding here and there especially like the tieflings who you know maybe have folded horns and tails and things like that to give them a little more structure but looks like most of the clothes are uh, inseparable uh from the body proficiency with origami tools (laughs) 
<laughs> None of you. I don't think. I think it would be Caden if it were any of us. It's true. Caden, you know what you have to do. I have no such thing. I shoot fire <laughs> out of my fingers. <laughs> this street seems to be full of businesses that are catering mostly to women although again like some of them are restaurants and things like that as well but all the shops and things seem to be catering only to women uh even though you see people of all genders you know walking up and down the street i'll point that out and say i really don't know what to make of that this place is super weird kind of fun though it's a little weird but like it smells a lot better than those dunes out there. That's they polished sure. my crest and my horns, and I like it. And I do my little happy bub again. <laughs> he does look very nice, although you uh, you do notice um, that they also uh, put a, a little bit of... Uh, makeup doesn't stick on Dragonborn in quite the same way, but it looks like they did put a little bit of uh, maybe like body glitter around his his eyes and the scales on his head. He might not have noticed. So, Athen is glittery. Mm-hmm. I'm bright blue and yellow. Yep. And neither of us can sneak for shit. So. Right. Caden's <laughs> normal except for, like, the one, like, tuft of hair that they managed to, like, braid before you could get away from them. I was going to say, one of them definitely put in, like, one tiny braid. Uh, it's got, like, a like a pink um, a hair tie on the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sticking straight up in the air. I was just gonna say, I'm gonna be honest. I'm surprised you're still here, Athens. I thought as soon as uh, Salima said library, you were just gonna be gone for the tower. I thought about it, but last time I did that, you yelled at me for running off. You're learning. I mean, I try. Quick, give him a candy. <laughs> Pull out my herb pot and like give him like a leaf of mint. <laughs> Not gonna lie, if this was any place that wasn't the gloaming, I totally would have run off. But I kind of don't want to be by myself in here. And also, I really don't think I could take one of those floaty boys by myself. And speak of the devil, uh, one of them looks like it's heading this way. Oh, good. Yep. It definitely doesn't look like it has spotted you and is, like, making towards you, like, with purpose or anything like that. But... Um, it's definitely, this is the inner city one, uh, and it is definitely floating this way. Hide. Should we duck into another shop? We, we don't want to try to, like, talk to them at all? No? No. The, the, the Kane's floaty already boys? running for an alley. Yeah, the floaty boys. You think, you think that would, they'd be able to communicate? I guess we haven't tried. Kaden's yeah. still thinking the alley. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Athen has convinced me. All right, roll me a stealth check, Caden. That's a 16. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Flower and Athanasius, what are you doing precisely? I follow Caden. Wait, I'm confused. You just said maybe we should talk about it and talk to it. Yeah, but then Caden ran and it's like, I don't want to just talk the two of us and then have it realize that there's a third one of us and then instantly not trust us. It's getting closer and closer. Yeah, okay. I go try to hide with Caden. All right, anyone anyone trying to hide, uh, roll me a stealth check. Where are you hiding, by the way? In an alley? 
Yeah, I assume I assume the the buildings aren't all attached at the neck, right? Like oh no, it's be... true. Oh no, there there are alleys. Thirteen. I don't want to hide because I have terrible stealth and disadvantage because of my armor, but I can just duck into like the next shop, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. You could. Yeah. Uh, there's like a clothing store like right next door. Okay, cool. I kind of call after Flower like, remember the hairdresser said that like the right robe would like really make your hair pop. <laughs> what was your stealth roll, Athanasius? 13. Mm, okay, here's how this goes. <laughs> Priorities, man. <laughs> Athanasius, your horniness is about to be the downfall of you. Uh, Does he get XP for that? (laughs) Do I get XP for properly roleplaying my character? You know what? He has to learn from. He has to learn from an error. Yeah, I was gonna say making one. (laughs) You're certainly making an error. If you learn from it, we'll we'll see if you survive to learn from making that error. Because boy, the thing spots you, and it comes right for you. Uh, It does not spot Caden or Flower. Roll for initiative, my man. Uh... Now, now look, I, as a dungeon master, never want to, um, I love it when people try to avoid combat by doing things like talking. So rolling for initiative does not mean you have to start, you know, lighting it up with spells. It just means we're going to start moving in an order because we're in a conflict. Okay? Yeah. Okay. 16. Do you want us to roll two? Just... In case. Yes, please. Ten. Eight. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, it rolled really well in its initiative. You see this enormous, uh, for lack of a better term, beast dive down at you out of the sky. You can see that it is made of paper, too. You can hear the flapping of paper in the wind, that sound that it makes, as it uh, dives down. And the thing it puts you in mind of most is a kite, like a segmented kite. I don't know if you've ever seen like a Chinese dragon kite. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's like one of those, except that it's made of these big paper segments and uh, sticking off of it at intervals are almost like wing or flipper-like uh, extensions of of paper with designs uh, drawn on them. Uh, and uh, in front, it has a vaguely dragonish-shaped head, uh, except that it has uh, three bright white eyes uh, that are actually glowing with light. Uh, they are painted, but they, they have a, an illumination as well. Uh, and the thing uh, roars down at you with this terrifying sound and uh, a sort of shadowy fire shoots out of it towards you. So I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. And Caden, how close were you behind Athanasius? I don't know. I went to the alley and he followed me. So uh... I'm going to say since this is an alley and this breath weapon is a 30 foot cone... It's oh. probably going to hit both of you. Props. Okay, so Caden, why don't you make me a dexterity save as well? Uh, 13. 18. Okay, uh, good. You both save, so you're only going to take half. So you each take 11 damage. Uh, necrotic damage. 
Athen, you're not resistant to necrotic or anything like that, are you? I was going to say I need to double check. I don't think so. You're resistant to cold because you're uh, silver dragonborn, but I don't think you're resistant to necrotic. How far away is this thing? We'll say that since this breath weapon is 30, 30 feet, uh, that it, it's about 30 feet away from you uh, as it swoops down and breathes, breathes on you and he fills up the alley with necrotic. But it hasn't seen me yet, right? No, it doesn't know you're there. Um, this Especially just has. Since a... I'm probably on the other side of Athens, and I can hide behind larger creatures. Yeah, no, you actually succeeded on hiding from it, so it doesn't know you're there, Caden. It just so happened that this attack has like a large area of effect, so it would have hit you too. So, sad day. He did have to make a deck saving throw, though. Mm-hmm. Because it's an AOE. And you both you both succeeded on it. You took half damage. I rolled twenty two damage. You both take eleven. No, so I'm wondering if Caden would have had to like roll out of cover to make his deck saving throw. Um, possibly, but I don't want to penalize him that way. Uh, we'll we'll say that you're you're still stealthed for now. It uh as it breathes out this. Uh, like sort of necrotic fire at you guys. Um, that does fill up the alley uh, with a sort of, you know, uh, flickering smokiness. So it's probably, its vision is probably kind of impaired uh, as it does that. So we'll say Caden is still stealthed. Okay, uh, Athanasius, you're up next. Okay, I'm a cast false life on myself. Okay. And I get seven temp HP. Okay. Doing anything else? Well, yeah, I'm going to talk to it as well. Um, Mr. Sentinel, sir, I'm I'm not really here to try to hurt anyone or to take anything, and I really don't want to fight you because you seem like a very nice person. Uh, make me a make me a persuasion check. I'm assuming you're speaking to it in Solonari Elvish. Yeah. Uh, fifteen. Okay. It doesn't respond really to your words. Um, and you get the idea that it maybe doesn't have enough of a brain to particularly respond super well, except maybe to like very simple commands. Um, you look at it and the other people you've talked to so far have been, they've clearly been people. Uh, but this is sort of a paper beast, and you get maybe that it only has the intelligence of a beast rather than the intelligence of a person. Um, and right now, you're not making too much of a dent in its its desire to destroy you, uh, which is what it was built to do if it found anybody who wasn't from the city inside the city. But it was a valiant effort. I want to make an animal handling check, but I can't really do that till my next turn. So Next turn. But you have gained some valuable information about this creature. Uh, Flower, your turn is next. All right. I hear that nasty breath weapon go off, huh? Yeah, and you, you hear some, um, some of the... Uh, again, it's soft, but you hear it pressing in on your mind uh, some screams and wails of terror as... Uh, maybe some of the paper people who were also in the street uh, run for cover. I just imagine all these paper people screaming quietly. 
Yeah, it's not that they're screaming quietly. It's almost like you're hearing screams from far away. <laughs> it's not like they're whisper screaming. It's like you're hearing someone screaming, but you're hearing it from like the other side of like a, a really <laughs> long room or something like that. Confirmed. Whisper oh my, screaming. Oh my whisper god. Screaming. It's collaborative storytelling. We get to make it up too. Sure. Yeah. You know what? Okay. Whisper screaming. I. You know. I can't. I can't well, argue. Whisper, whisper screaming at the sight of the flying boys. Yep. Floaty, Floaty boys. boys. Floaty boys. That's right. <laughs> yep. And a few of the paper people uh, sort of run as fast as they can into the shop where you're taking a shelter flower. Okay. Well, this big nasty thing is obviously menacing my friends. So I'm not whisper screaming as I slither out, <laughs> grab the wig off my head, start waving it around and shout, hey, I'm stealing this and uh, turn and try to like run away. All right. Uh, yeah, you get its attention. Uh, you see three uh, bright piercing uh, eyes that are uh, sort of making, a tr you know, three trails of light in the air suddenly swivel and fix you uh, almost like a searchlight. As you slither as fast as you can, holding a bright blue curly wig above your head. Uh, I guess I'm not going to get too far away if it doesn't seem like it's coming after me, but I'm going to try to, yeah, draw its attention. Yeah, I mean, it'll start to go after you. Okay, yeah, then I'll use my whole speed movement to slither and try to find a good place to lose it. Okay. Yeah, uh, you're just slithering down the street. I mean, there are definitely shops and alleyways and other streets that you know, turn off here and there and everything. But unfortunately, this thing can fly. Um, so it, it has a pretty good vantage point from above everything. Hiding from it's probably going to be sort of difficult once you've got, already got its attention. Okay, Caden, uh, uh, you're up next. How far away is Flower? Uh, they moved their uh, whole movement. So is that 60 feet, Flower? 60, yeah. Yep, 60 feet away, with a floaty boy hot on his tail. At most, 90. Yeah, because, yeah, I was further away from you when I started. Yeah, because you were already in the shop. Yeah, sure. All right. I uh, cast Fog Cloud at a point five feet in front of Flower. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Flower, a large cloud of fog suddenly appears right in front of you in the middle of the street. I'm surprised, but I mean, I know what this is because Caden has done this before. True. So just to be clear, the, the fog cloud extends 15 feet behind Flower oh. and 25 okay. feet in front of Flower. Never mind, yeah, record scratch. Fog. Uh, flower, uh, suddenly you are surrounded by thick, dense, swirling fog. And you can uh -huh. no longer see the floaty boy above you. Although you can still hear it. You can hear the snap and flapping of its paper body as it uh, whirls through the air. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, I realized it was my turn. I'm like, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, the floaty boy's up next. Uh, it has lost sight of you. And it is not the sharpest crane in the box. I also want to tell Athens to run. Oh, okay. But, but I want to try to tame it. Run! But, but what if we could fly it up to the tower? I'm hiding. Kane stays still. Uh, this is this is when playing around a virtual table instead of actually around a table is just like a little 
like disappointing because I really wish my players could see the just the grin on my face right now. A grin that you <sighs> never want to see on the face of your dungeon master. <laughs> Gee whiz, yeah, please try to fly this thing up to the tower. You can have like a how to train your dragon style battle with the two headed <laughs> one that's on the outside of the tower. <laughs> It went so well with the giant dragonflies. Like, I know. Yeah, let's do it again. I think I still have my meat on a stick. <laughs> oh, you Jesus. definitely don't. Uh, it's been like a week and a half. That stuff is bad. Yeah, gross. I would like to remind you, Athanasius, that you don't have a bag of holding. Uh, so you just have normal packs. So if you had that centipede meat still, uh, like unrefrigerated in your bag, that would be really bad. Like you don't have a magical bag of holding where you can just stick stuff and then pull it out later and be like oh yeah the dick of that orc i killed that one time like no can i get a bag of refrigeration possibly ask Artie. Yeah. but not not right at this minute right now at this minute uh the floaty boy uh is angry that it has uh suddenly lost sight of flower and not being the sharpest crayon in the box it remembers that there was one other person who it breathed on before and it uh swivels around in midair and uh, heads back towards you, Athanasius. And oh boy, how far how far do we think Athanasius is away from the floaty boy? Sixty feet or something. Yeah, a little more than sixty. Also, Caden moved back a little bit just so that we're clear. Okay. Caden does not want to be next to Athens. <laughs> He's like run, and then like he ducks back into the alley after he says that. Exactly. Okay, sweet. Well, I'm sorry to say this, Athanasius. Uh, it hasn't spotted Caden yet, so it goes straight for you. Um, first, uh, what it is going to do is you see those three glowing eyes in its head locked straight onto you, uh, and I need you to make me a wisdom saving throw. I'm good at those. 18. Oh, nice. Uh, you can feel it trying to... Uh, get under your skin and really like freak you out uh, but you hold fast against it and it does not work uh, but then sadly uh, it sweeps past you and with one of its long uh, paper fins for lack of a better word uh, attempts to strike at you let's see if it hits it can do that and the fucking eye thing in the same turn yes it can it has multi-attack and it hits you all right uh, that's 12 bludgeoning damage. So it it uh, definitely smacks right into your chest and deals you quite a blow. Uh, but you're not unconscious yet because you cast false life on yourself. So yep. you wouldn't be anyway, but you'd be almost. All right. And then it sort of uh, streams by you as it does that. And uh, next up uh, is you. What are you going to do? I cast... Virginia's ring of teleportation into the fog cloud. Oh, Jesus <laughs> H fucking Christ. <laughs> oh my god, no you don't. Didn't yes, I, I do. didn't I put something on there that made it so that if you can't normally cast teleport, there's a chance that it goes horribly wrong? I don't know. You, you tell didn't tell me. us about that. Yeah, you, did, you certainly didn't tell us about it. It's not listed on my inventory I page. put it in your inventory. No, you didn't. It literally just says Vratinia's Ring of Teleportation in my inventory. Thank you very much. Did you scroll down to page two? 
Rip. Oh yeah, there's a twenty percent chance to break the ring after each use. You as as if. I have all the rules for your magic items there. Now I gotta look up the goddamn rules for teleport. You and up to eight willing creatures of your choice you can see within range, which is ten feet, or a single object, blah blah blah. Destination you choose must be known to you, must be on the same plane of existence. That's not the problem. Your familiarity with the destination determines whether you arrive. Okay, well, you can see it. So I'm going to say, I- I'm not going to look, look, man, I'm not a dick. It's it's right down the street and you can see it. So yeah, you can teleport into it safely. Okay, and I bring Caden with me. Wah! Okay, yeah, you and Caden are both instantly inside the fog cloud. Should he roll to see if the ring breaks? I think I'm going to roll it to make sure Cloud doesn't oh, just break no. it out Oh, no. Oh, no, you are not. I'm rolling it. What if I hole. roll it? I want to roll it. No, the ring is fine. It doesn't break. Hey. So, um, Athanasius, you uh, reach for the ring. Uh, you, despite your previously stated hatred of teleportation magic, uh, use the ring to teleport yourself and Caden into the fog cloud. And uh, you can't see the floaty boy anymore, uh, but you can hear a sort of, um, yeah, wailing, uh, sort of screeching uh, again, like it's coming from far away, but uh, it almost rattles the inside of your mind. And you can hear the snap and flap of the paper, uh, you know, wings, fins, uh, and sort of segments of its body as it circles overhead trying to find uh, the three intruders that it's lost. Uh, and then eventually you hear those sounds getting fainter and fainter. That's it for this week. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please give us a rating and review to help others join our adventure. You can find out more about the show and how to get in touch with us on our website, talesfromthetablecast.com. And you can find us on Twitter, at TableTalesCast. This podcast was edited by Cloud and Audrey and produced by Cloud. Special thanks to Matt Marshall for his awesome advice. Our theme music is 8-Bit Adventure by Adhesive Wombat. This is your Dungeon Master, Cloud, and I hope you'll join us next week on Tales from the Table.